part at some point, but this one, um, you know, just the idea of someone having the authority to come on to your pro- into your life, into your circle, the your the, you know the area that should be your territory that God has given you. Um, I think we all probably are familiar with an easement. An easement is something that you you know you sign and you give authority to another entity. And there's all kinds of easements. You know, there's um, there's access easements and there's utility easements and there's septic easements and there's a lot of different you know you can, you can have an easement for just about everything. Um, but an easement is legal authority to another entity to enter onto your property, um, and it doesn't matter. And here's what I, here's what I wanted to to um, just take that thought a, a step further. But it doesn't matter whether you are aware that what you were signing was an easement or not. Whether it, the legal authority is not based on your knowledge of what you were signing. So, um, I, I guess the point I want to make is that ignorance of agreements that we make with the enemy does not negate their authority to infiltrate our lives in a certain way. And it may not even always be a bulldozer coming in and building a house. It may just be, you know, their authority or some kind of permission that we have given them to go across the back corner somewhere, and they drive their four-wheelers back and forth and disturb the peace and the quiet, and and maybe they throw things out that, uh, throw things out into the woods that that our kids find and pick up, and, and and it harms them. Or You know, there's a lot of different, levels of of permission that we give can give and sometimes we have to um sometimes we have to sort through a big pile of paperwork to get to find you know why things are happening the way that they're happening um so i i just i i I appreciate that steve i just want to tell you that um so you don't think that you're up here going off on the left field because I don't I, I don't believe you are and I want to say amen to what you said so thank you for sharing um, what I had on my heart to share this morning the question that I I guess I would like to dive into is how do I need to order my life what do I need to do how do I need to live? How do we need to live to have someone say of us hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, under direct inspiration from the Holy Ghost, that this man believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness? Um. I'm just going to I'm going to go through the life of Abraham this morning. And I, and I, I, that question came to me. I said, God, what do what does that look like for your testimony to be of me that he believed God? Um and hopefully you know we'll go through and look at some things in Abraham's life and hopefully there's some things maybe that we can take home with us um but that's what i want to do we're starting in starting in, in if you want to follow along uh we're kind of we're covering several chapters in genesis starting in uh the end of chapter 11 in genesis and i and i'm going to start 
with um, starting at the end of, of Genesis 11. And I'm not going to read it, but I, I, I'm, I want to look for just a couple minutes at uh, Tirah's life. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's, a, it's an Old Testament name. Some of those you just kind of do the best you can. But Tirah's life, which was Abraham's dad, it says in the, the, the end of... Um, the end of chapter 11 in Genesis talks about, you know, the, it's, it's going, most of the chapter of chapter 11 in Genesis is going through, you know, the generations uh, down through, you know, all the different generations in Noah and, and a bunch of genealogy stuff. And, and the end of, of chapter 11 is, is Abram's, you know, the generations of Terah. Um, before that is Abram's family line all the way back to Noah down to Terah. And it says that, um, that Terah, the very last verse in chapter 11, Terah took Abram his son, Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there. So a couple things that we know for sure. There's a lot of things we don't know. A lot of things the Bible just doesn't tell us. But a couple things we know for sure is that um, the land of the Chaldees was the land of Ur, Ur, you know, Ur, the land of the Chaldees, was the area that would later become part of the Babylonian Empire. Uh, so it's not hard to see why God may have wanted to call Abram out of that land um, to, to another place. Uh, because the wickedness in that area was already, it was already, um, you know, the, the people that lived there were the people, a lot of them were, were people that had helped to design and build the Tower of Babel. You know, there was uh, idolatry, a lot of idolatry. Uh, we read about that in Joshua. When Joshua was addressing the children of Israel, he said that you know how that your fathers, uh, even Terah, Abraham, Abram's father, lived across the river, across the Euphrates River in the land of the Chaldees, and they worshipped other gods and and, you know, he goes down through the story. So, uh, but, but the land of the Chaldees was actually a very prosperous, um, this was a very prosperous time for them. Very affluent time for them. Um, this information comes from uh, Google, which is not the Holy Writ, but it, which, and, and it ultimately comes from, you know, his, historians and, and archaeologists and so forth. But they... They have, you know, done a lot of research in the in this part of the country, and found that you know people in Abram's time, Tiras time, the time they lived there, uh, people lived in large multi-story houses, multiple rooms. Children went to school. They learned arithmetic, and they had written language, and they learned science, and there was you know that th- there there was. Um, a lot of a lot of technology had already developed in this part of the country, you know, and this it was it was a very affluent. Um, There's there long-reaching trade, commerce things happening in this part of the country, but for whatever reason, reasons we don't know, Tirah decided to leave um, the land of the Chaldees, and he, and it says that he left the land of the Chaldees to go into Canaan. 
And for whatever reason, he never made it to the land of Canaan. He only went about halfway, stopped in Haran, and that's where he stayed, and that's where he lived the rest of his life. Um, probably not that long. A lot of people think that Terah didn't live in Haran that long. But he passed away at like 205 years old in the land of Haran. Um, and so I don't know why Terah chose to leave his penthouse and go to a, a brick ranch in Heron out in the country or, you know, wherever. But I, I, I don't know why he would have done that unless because he was leaving to go to Canaan. So somewhere I believe that God was already moving, already working in Abram's line to bring Abraham ultimately out of that land into the land that he was going to promise to them, the land of Canaan. Um, but the fact is that for whatever reason, Terah, Terah left a culture that was all he had ever known, um, very godless, idol-worshipping. And he himself worshipped idols, according to the testimony of Joshua later on. It says that even Terah, Abram's father, worshipped other gods. So it, it seems that he didn't, you know, in his later life because he moved, you know, he moved out and went to Haran. But for whatever reason, um, I, the, it, it seems like the first step, you know, the, 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 we can look at the life of Abraham, we can look at all of that. But if we go back, it seems like the first step was taken by Abram's father. However small that step may have been, there was something that happened there, a moving out, moving toward the call of God that set some sort of a foundation for Abram's life. So the first point I want to bring out, I guess, is that faith, and when we're talking about the faith of Abraham, we can talk, you know, but um, I guess we can have faith in a lot of different things, but the faith specifically that I'm speaking of this morning is the faith of the faith in God, which I would um, define as simply being the faith and the belief, the deeply held belief that God is true and he is right. Um, And so the first point, the first thing I want to... um, the first point I want, to, I want to bring out is that faith is established in generations. Um, probably sounds like a controversial statement because it kind of is. Um, and, and I, you know, we live in a we live in a different era. We live in a diff, in, in the New Testament. I am of the firm persuasion that a person. Um, with the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, can call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. I, I, have, I, I, I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe that there is a, um, that there is a um, level of belief and bedrock confidence in God that is established over a very long period of time and often from generation to generation to generation. And I don't say that so that we necessarily maybe analyze what we have been given but rather so that we can be aware of the way that our faith today and our actions today affect um, generations down the line and and 
I th- Steve, I think if the principle of, of iniquity going to the third and fourth generation is true, then I think the opposite is also true, that the faith of one man is, is, a, um, is a foundation from which multiple generations can build on. Um, and we see that later on. You know, uh, late, God said of Abraham's faith, he, he, was, he was like, should I, you know, uh, speaking of, of um, whether he should share with, with Abram what he wanted to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, I know him that he will command his children after me. That was a testimony that God had of Abram. And um, and I, I, just, I, I think it's a principle of the kingdom of heaven that we do well to recognize is that the foundation I'm laying today and the foundation that has, uh, not only the foundation I'm laying before me, but the foundation that I've been given, whatever foundation that may be, is uh, I can build up on it or I can tear it down. Um, but a, a, a faith that, um, a, a deep, enduring faith that can do... Um, that, that, that God can work with is often developed over a long period of time. So that brings us into Abraham's story, Abram's story at this point. So let's um, just, let, let's kind of, Abram was 75 years old when God first, the, the first time that we read that God appeared to Abram, he was 75 years old, living in the land of Haran. His father had passed away. But I want to just take a minute and kind of put ourselves in Abram's shoes He's 75 years old. If we go back again to chapter 11, go back through the generations of Abram, you know, I don't know how old he was when he got married, but most of the, you know, his genealogy reads like this. You know, so-and-so was, uh, begat his son at 30, around 30 years old, and he lived to be 220 years old and begat sons and daughters. And then so-and-so lived to be around 30 years old, and he begat the next son and and live to be 220 years old and begat sons and daughters and it just goes down like for seven or eight generations in a row they you know his abram's forefathers would you know in in their in their early 30s they would begat us that you know their 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 first son was born and then they would live for another you know 150 200 years and they would beget sons and daughters and it was just you know this was going on for generations so let's assume that abram was married you know, followed that tradition, and he was married around 30 years old. Um, he is now 75 years old. Sarai is 10 years younger than he is, but they've, you know, around him, people around him, um, you know, have 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 had have had children. I'm sure Abram and Sarai had dreams. You know, when they got married, that this, you know, this they uh, they start their life, and 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 you know. Everyone else, you know, his, his, his dad and his grandfather and his great-grandfather, you know, they had, they had son, you know, and, and older, they, their oldest son was born around 30, and then, the, you know, they beget more sons and daughters. But for Abram and Sarai, it, it didn't happen. You know, life went on. They got older. Um, for years, it was just, it was just them. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure... Sh- it doesn't talk about it, but I'm sure this was a very um, emotionally difficult thing to live with. 
uh, especially in that culture. It's, it's still an emotionally difficult thing to live with. Um, but for, for years, and, if, you know, man up and, and it's, you know, it's over. It's, it's, just, it's just not happened for us. And, and that's, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And, and life goes on. They're living in Haran. You know, Abram's father passes away. And then one day, after all of this has happened, one day God comes to Abram and tells him, I need you to move down to another land that I'm going to show you. Hebrews says he didn't know what, what you know where it was, but he's going to. You, you, you need to move down to another land, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Um, something that you know was probably made no sense at all. But the the first thing, one of the first things that we that we read about Abram, the very first things that we read, is when is God came to him, gave him that message again at 75 years old, after much of his life had already been lived. And Abram immediately packed up his things, and he left. Hebrews says he went out not knowing where he went. Uh, Genesis tells us he went down into the land of Canaan, and um, that's where he lived. Um, so that was, you know, th- those, are the, those are the first things that we read about Abram and the, the point I want to bring out in all of this, because of the way God works, I'm going to assume that there was a very specific reason that God came to Abram and not to Abram's cousin or his brother or, you know, whoever. And in the first account that we read of Abram, God speaks to him and Abram obeys. In the scope of Abram's life, what God asked of him at this time was not a very sure. It was. A, I'm sure it was. A, I'm sure it was a um, a big deal. It was. It was a great thing. But in the scope of his life, and and in scope in the scope of some of the other things that God asked of him later on, this was not that difficult. And and I believe that's how you know that's how God worked for 75 years. There was apparently a seed of faith already in Abram's life. There was a reason that God came. To Abram, after 75 years of his life, asked him to do something. Abram obeyed. Abram followed God to this new country. And the second point that I want to bring from this is that faith starts in the little things. Faith isn't always the big grand finale. It's ne- a matter of fact, I would say it's never the big grand finale. It begins in the little things. And as we're going to see in Abram's life, it's developed in in the accumulation of little things and in the, the failures and tests and the trials and so forth. Faith starts in the little things. Um, the next thing we read about Abram's life is that he goes down into Canaan and there's a famine in the land. And without any instruction, you know, from God, Abram decides that this is, you know, we're not going to be able to make it here and he takes it upon himself to go down into the land of Egypt, which then led to a series of um, other mistakes that we see Abram um, falling into or, or um, walking into, whatever. So his, his first decision was to go down into the land of Egypt, which was against the command that God had given him to go down to the land of Canaan. Um, Maybe not directly against, but it was something that he took upon himself 
of his own reasoning and said, there's a famine here. I don't think we're going to be able to make it here. Why don't we go down to the land of Egypt? And um, I don't think that was ever God's intention. I think God's provision was enough in the land of Canaan. He could have taken care of Abram. But we, we read that he went to Egypt, and we don't read that God ever indicated that he was to go there. Um, and as soon as he came into the land of Egypt, he found himself in another situation. He ended up lying to Pharaoh about his wife in order to try to uh, protect himself, which then led to more issues, more problems. Um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all of that. But eventually, and I don't know how much time he spent in Canaan. I know it was enough time to accumulate a lot of riches. Chapter 13, uh, he came back. Um, all that he had, lot with him. He was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. It doesn't say that at this point, but we do know that his handma- that Sarai's handmaid, Hagar, which we read about later on, was an Egyptian, and I'm assuming she came from the time that Abram spent in Egypt as well. So there was a period of time that Abram went down to Egypt, and we don't read that he had any interaction with God during that period of time. He went down, and he, in multiple different steps, he... Uh, you know, he, he, he first took it upon himself to go to Egypt. Then he had to, to lie and, and, and spend, several, spend a period of time there um, accumulating wealth and, and basically no communication from God during that period of time. And then it says, Abram came back. And to me, this is a, this is a, um, a significant part of the story of Abraham. He came back to Canaan. And I'm just going to read a, little, a couple of verses here in chapter 13. Um, he went on his journeys from the south, and this is speaking, he came up from Egypt, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar. And if we back up a, a chapter or so, we read how when, when Abram first came down to Canaan, he built there an altar to the Lord. And then later, you know, he abandoned that area, went to Egypt. And now he's coming back from Egypt. He came back to Bethel unto the altar of the Lord. And I think in a sense, this was the repentance of Abraham. Went down to Egypt and he turned around and he came back to a place of worship. Because it's after this that the Lord came back. And said to Abram after that, and, and when he came back, then, you know, there was this strife between Abram's herdmen and Lot's herdmen, and they ended up splitting and separating. And Abram, um, being a, a godly man, offered Lot the first choice, and Lot went to Jordan. We know that story. And then after that, then God came back to Abram. And for the first time since he had gone down to Egypt, God reappeared to Abram and basically reinstated his promise to Abram and reinstated the fact that this is the land that I'm going to give you. And he, and, he, and he challenged Abram. He said, walk from one side to the other as far as you can see from this river to this river. I'm going to give you and your seed all of this land. It's kind of a, a reiteration of the promise that God um, gave Abram after he came back to Bethel, after he came back to the altar and began to walk again in what God had called him. Um. But this wasn't, and, and, and at this point, I'm just going to, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, you know, because God had reappeared to Abram now. He had, he had promised him the children. In, in several years later, God, re, in chapter 15, God reappeared to Abraham. Um, 
and 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 this was the, this was when Abram fell into uh, a sleep, had a vision, and God told him to um, God told him to take some of his animals and kill them. And and we, if you remember the story, he fell into this great darkness, and God passed between the animals and and made a covenant with Abraham. At this point, made a covenant that he would give him this land to him and to his generations and to his seed. And so the the next failure, the next major failure that we see in Abraham's life um, is he once again resorted to human reasoning. Um, See, up to this time, the promise had been to Abraham or Abram. God had never promised that we read of. God had never promised Sarai that she would have a son. God had come to Abram multiple times and said, you will have a son. But he never, he never promised that to Sarai. And so you can imagine, you know, Sarai is long past the ability to have children. You know, how is this going to work? It's not making sense. Well, maybe, maybe you need to take Haggai to your wife and, and have, maybe that's what God, maybe that's the way the promise will be fulfilled. That, that, you know, through another woman. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Sarai. And and they and so this made sense. You know, this made sense. And and Abraham took Haggai to his wife, and she she had a son. We know how the rest of that story went. But it was again outside of what God had specifically instructed Abram. And it was human reasoning, their own their own reasoning, their own attempt to solve. Something that God, that did not make sense to them. Um, and this began, the, 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 um, the birth of Ishmael. The marriage to Haggai and, and the birth of Ishmael. And, and you know, this, this attempt to somehow help God fulfill his promises, the promises that he had made to them, resulted in a long period of silence. In Abraham's life for 13 years Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born and that happened in uh, chapter 16 verse the last the last verse in chapter 16 Um, 16 verse 16 Abram was four score and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram and from that verse to chapter 17 verse 1 there's 13 years that passed in there with no indication of what happened. The Bible's completely silent about what, what those 13 years were, were like. And it was a time, I, I believe it was a time of silence in Abram's life. And I don't even know if he knew for sure whether Ishmael was the promised son or not. God never, we don't read that God ever told him. You know, he, he did what he did with, with Haggai, and then heaven went silent. For 13 years. For 13 years he probably wondered. He didn't know. You know, is God still... Did I... Is this what God had in mind? If not, did I completely mess it up? Is God still going to fulfill his promise? And I don't know... I don't know... What all happened? I mean, it doesn't really it doesn't really say. But I believe this was a time of this was a time of um, refinement and perfection in Abram's life. 
Um, one point I want to bring out, you know, through all of through all of this, you know, through Abram's Abram's life, I'm going to call it, you know, the wandering the wandering years. Uh, he goes to Egypt. That doesn't work out. You know, he comes back and and God promises to him again, and it's just not happening. And so maybe he needs to go. You know, maybe maybe he needs to uh, go this route. Um, something I want to a point I want to make in all of that is that Abram failed. He failed a lot on multiple occasions. Failed in ways that that negatively impacts the world today. In huge ways he failed. But it did not negate it it did not how should I say it? It did not nullify the faith that he had in God and the fact that God's promise remained true in spite of his failures and the fact that God was still able to redeem those failures and still able to fulfill what he had promised in Abram's life that he would do. And the point, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that faith is still faith even in our failure. We, we don't always understand. We're going to make mistakes, but our mistakes are not big enough to nullify the plan that God has in our lives. And even in our failure, we can't let go of the faith that we have. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's making sense, but, but the, the, the fact that Abram failed on multiple big levels and God was still able to fulfill his promise through him is encouraging to me because I've failed in a lot of ways and I think we all have to some you know to some degree and the fact is um, our failure is not big enough to nullify the calling that God has in our lives and it's not um, and, and it doesn't change what 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 God is able and willing to do if we continue to walk in faith um, Verse seven, or chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, 99 years old, 13 years have passed, 13 years of silence for Abram, 13 years of wilderness, 13 years of, um, 13 years of faith. I'm sure during this period of time, Abram had many opportunities he could have gone back to Haran or to even all the way back to, you know, Ur in the land of the Chaldees. He had, um... He, he had lived in both of those places. He had family there. I'm sure he knew a lot of people. But Abram never lost sight during this period of time of the promise that God has given him that this was his land. And he was, and he had, he had, you know, gone from, um, gone from his, you know, plush accommodations, if I can call it that, in in the, in the land of the Chaldees, to living in tents and wandering in the land of Canaan. Um, you know, a completely different lifestyle for him. But even in 13 years of silence from God and not not for sure knowing, Abram was able to hang on to the faith and the belief that God was going to fulfill the promise that he had given him, and he remained in Canaan. Um, the third point that I want to bring out is that faith is purified in the wilderness. 
when God came back to Abram at 99 years old, Abram was now a different man. His identity had changed. His name changed to Abraham. At this point, God said that your wife is no longer Sarai, she's Sarah. And your name is no longer Abram, it's Abraham. And he reiterated his promise to Abraham. He said that he, he said that the son I promised you is going to come through Sarah. It's not going to come through another woman. And the, the faith is purified in the wilderness. I think that Abraham was at this point a different man and had developed a different level of faith than what he had been living in beforehand. There's a, and, there's, and in our lives, I, I know that there is a quality of faith and, and endurance that is born in the wilderness that is very valuable to God. And when this time, when God appeared to Abraham, he was ready. The time had come, and um, he appeared to him twice. God appeared to him to Abraham the first time, made a covenant with him, the covenant of circumcision, and it says at the end of chapter 17, it says that um, in the self-same day as God had instructed him, Abram obeyed the instructions that God had given him. And then God comes back to Abram again. God appeared to Abram, made a covenant with him, gave him instructions. Abram obeyed the self-same day immediately, and God appears to him again in the form of um, three people at his tent and tells him very specifically that you know Sarah is going to ha- at, at this time next year Sarah is going to have a little boy you need to name him Isaac so revelation has grown over the years as Abram continued to walk in faithfulness as Abraham uh, continued to um, his faith continued to grow and be developed the, 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 the revelations continued to grow and the time had now come that God was going to fulfill the promise of a son to Abraham. So 25 years, this has now been 25, he's 100 years old. Um, 25 years after God first appeared to Abraham and said that he was going to make him a great nation, he's going to, um, his, that his seed would be as the stars in the sky and, and, and all of that, um, God gave him a son. And fulfilled his promise. But it took 25 years for Abraham to reach the point to where um, to where God was able to use him to create, the, to build the nation that he wanted to have in the children of Israel. In all the years and the travels and the wandering, uh, the failures, the dashed hopes, uh, the 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 restoration, um, the revelation, and the questions in the wilderness, and, and and God was continually developing and building the faith, and finally, twenty five after twenty five years, and I don't I don't have time right, you know right now, but but just take a few minutes and think about how how in, in our lives. You know, if we had a promise from God and it took 25 years for that promise to be, that, that is really a long time. And, and you know, 
if, if, if you never had a confirmation of that promise, never had for 13, for a 13, you, you know, if, if you had a failure in your life and, and, and you, you know, you were struggling and for 13 years, you know, there was no, no word from the Lord, no confirmation. You know, those are, that's hard. That's hard to walk through. Uh, and it and it developed something in Abraham that that I believe was was precious to God, and that's the next point uh, that I want to point out is that faith endures. True faith endures, and for, for and often you know for long periods of time, um, as it grows, as it's established, it 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 also needs to endure. Without the the waiting, the wilderness, the testing, Abraham could never have become the man that God needed to establish a nation set apart to himself. Um, Faith endures. And I think it's through that learning and growing and that endurance that Abraham... Without that, I don't think that that, God, that that Abraham would ever have been able to pass the ultimate test that God brought um, before him. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to kind of go through this quickly, but um, you know, at the time that 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 God came to Abraham and asked him to offer his son Isaac, uh, at this point it was 40 years. The, the 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 story that we you know the, we read in the Bible is from the, from chapter 11 up to. Um, I think it's uh, 21 or 22, 22, chapter 22. This was a 40, around a 40-year period of time that Abram had, you know, had walked with God to some degree or another and, 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 and had, you know, developed a degree of faith that I don't think he was anywhere close to at 75 years old when God first appeared to him. But we do read in chapter 22... God came to Abraham, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, and we know the rest of the story, you know, said, take him up. Three-day journey. He had three days to think this through, to come up with excuses, to come up with reasons why this was a bad idea, why this was not, this, this could not possibly be a fulfillment, of, you know, the, the, why this may have just been voices in his head, you know, whatever our excuses are. Um, for three days he journeyed. And for three days he contemplated, and probably, you know, I don't know what his emotions. I can't even imagine what his emotions were like during that three-day period of time. But they traveled for three days, and Abraham. We don't read that he ever wavered. At this point, his faith was his heart was firmly set on God. His faith was strong, and we don't read that he ever questioned or doubted what God had asked him to do. Went up and tied up his son Isaac, put him on the altar. And was minutes from killing him and sacrificing him as a as a burnt offering, and a voice, an angel, called out from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham." Um, the last point I want to bring out is that, actually, it may not be the last point, second to last point that I want to bring out is that faith is obedient. I don't think we can separate the two. Um, in, in, through a pattern throughout Abraham's life is that when, when Abraham walked in obedience to God, 
then God appeared to him and gave him revelation and and had um, you know fulfilled came to him and and reiterated his promise or fulfilled his promise he would he would in, in certain periods he would fail there would be periods of, of quiet or, or but he would return to in, and, and walk in a, in, in a level of obedience and then God would return and and you know reiterate his promise and communicate with him and so forth um, and I, I don't think we can possibly separate the two that believing God believing that he's right believing that he's true will result in obedience when he speaks because if we're not obedient then we don't believe him and we don't believe we don't believe he's right and we don't believe that he's true so faith is obedience um and in this obedience god gives him the most powerful and um the highest blessing that he had yet placed on abraham and the last point i want to bring out before we close is that faith leads to great reward i just want to read um in in chapter chapter 22 um verse 15 the angel of the lord called unto abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself have i sworn saith the lord for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And it's one of the last um, interactions that we read between Abraham and God. And it, it seems as though Abraham's Faith had reached a, a, a pinnacle, so to speak. God had spoken his final blessing, his final reward on Abraham. And we can look at history today and we can see how every single one of the promises that God spoke to Abraham became true. Because God is right. And uh, it was just a challenge for me to, to, to look at some of that, to walk through um, I think there's periods in Abraham's life that we can all identify with. And, um, you know, we're all people. The calling of God, I'm sure, on my life is, is completely different than it was on Abraham's life. But the God is the same. And the way that he works is the same. And I think, I, I know, that even... Um, for his calling and his promises to be, be, be fulfilled in my life, in our life, we will also need to walk um, in faith and in obedience. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us a, um, a revelation of... Um, how you would have us to walk give us the faith a solid enduring faith god that believes you and does not question whether you are right or whether your word is true in jesus name